and welcome to the Turtle Tracks Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Van Hooker, and I'm here with Matt C. and Ketty and Mike Foy from Raw Thrills. How are you guys doing today? How are you doing? Great. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Raw Thrills recently just um, released a new arcade Ninja Turtles game, which is being featured in uh, arcades and stuff, and this is really a throwback to the the side-scrolling brawlers that we had back when we were kids. So I wanted to get you guys on and talk a little bit about this new project. Sure. All right, we'd be happy to answer any questions you have. Cool. So first, uh, tell me a little bit about Raw Thrills. All right, well, Raw Thrills is uh, it was founded in 2001 um, by uh, Eugene Jarvis and Andrew Eloff. Now, Eugene Jarvis is a very famous game designer. Um, he's done a lot of legendary games that... People remember like Defender, Robotron, NARC, um, Cruising USA, Cruising World. Um, he's been around the industry for a long time, and he's always done arcade games. And uh, when Midway Games uh, in Chicago uh, shut their doors for Coin Op Arcade, um, he a lot of the uh, development uh, studios kind of branched off into other things, um, independent studios, and a lot of them went on to do console games and things like that. Uh, Eugene wanted to keep doing arcade games, so uh, that's how Raw Thrills came to be. And uh, we've been making arcade games since, and keeping that keeping that going um, after filling the void for Midway after Midway left the market. Oh, very cool! Yeah, we've done we've done a lot of different uh, licensed uh, arcade games and a few unlicensed ones. We do we do a little of everything. We do uh, you know driving games, gun games, um, redemption games. Uh, we do some retro, reimagined retro games like Space Invaders Frenzy and uh, World's Largest Pac-Man. You may have seen some of those out and about at different places. Um, our games are pretty much everywhere, yet we somehow fly under the radar. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the World's Largest Pac-Man, and it is enormous. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's about the size of an entire wall. <laughs> yeah. And I, actually, yeah, if you go to any of the places that have arcade games, the majority of the games these days are probably from our studio. Really? Or, uh, or subsidiaries of our Yeah, studio. we develop, we work with a lot of different companies. Like, we, we self-publish a lot of titles ourselves. We also have worked with other people in the industry. We, we have a lot of great companies that we've worked with, like Taito, uh, Taito Japan. We've worked with Bandai Namco. We, do, we just dabble in a lot of different things, and we, we have a lot of different, uh, a pretty diverse catalog of games. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is our first foray into the beat-em-up category that has been untouched for a long time. And, uh, you know, we wanted to bring that back, you know, to the arcades, and we felt that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is obviously one of the most, you know, well-regarded and well-remembered, both of them, from the Konami games that got put out. Uh, Turtles in Time in the original arcade game, so that that seemed like a logical place to start for that genre. Did you guys approach them, or did Nickelodeon approach you? Um, I believe we we actually approached Nickelodeon on that. You know, we we, we had a good relationship with them, and we we'd done a previous game uh, with them, uh, like a Nickelodeon uh, racing game that had SpongeBob and stuff in it. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, the. You know, it was it was pretty easy to start up a dialogue again with them to talk about this project, and uh, you know, fortunately, we were able to uh, come to a license agreement with them and get started on this. So, when you were uh, when you decided you wanted to do a Turtles game, what was like? Um, I know you mentioned the two arcade games, but what was your major like? In, were those two games your really major inspiration for getting that for making that happen? 
Mike, you want to take this one? Or? Go ahead. Uh, like I said, we can both talk okay. about it. Um, we looked at everything. I mean, there's there's so much out there to look at. Um, the ones that stuck in my mind from going to the arcades back in the day were the uh, obviously the turtle games, the uh, the original turtle game, and the uh, and turtles in time. Um, Golden Axe was a big one, um, and we, we incorporated some of that in the turtles, where you build up your turtle meter, which is similar to the magic. Uh, the magical power in uh, in Golden Axe and uh, with Double Dragon. We looked at a lot. Like like the Turtles games obviously were a, a, an yeah. inspiration, but we yeah we tried to glean information from yeah like as many as we could. Like we consumed a ton of them. You know, yeah. even some of the more obscure ones. You know, yeah. like Bad Dudes and you know the the, the Golden Axe sequel, Revenge of Death Adder. You know, there was there was all these uh just just a lot of them that I forgotten about as a, as a youth you know and i'm like oh yeah i remember that game you know right right, right. yeah um, we live we live close to the uh galloping ghost arcade which is i think probably one of the biggest arcades in the country or maybe even the world at this point for retro yeah they have yeah. like 620 arcade cabinets there now i think oh wow but uh yeah i remember going there and playing like 60 beat-em-ups or something like that nice so I mean, we looked at all of them and and uh yeah obviously the ones we can't get a hold of looked at them online um, Matt, you used to work at an arcade too, right? I did. Yes, I used to run an arcade in the '90s, so we had some of these games, you know, yeah. um, on our on our floor. So, um, and then of course, just a, a, a lot of wasted money as, as a youth at the arcade, you know, um, like the uh, comic book store and uh, arcade combo was always uh, was what I did a lot as a kid. So a lot of these games I remember playing uh, when they were brand new. Um, and you know, yeah, it was, it was just, it's more about like a, you're just doing research, you know, like what, what, what did they do well? What did they not do well? That sort of mm-hmm. thing. And what can we, you know, is there anything in here we can adapt to, you know, use in our game or improve upon? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't try to reinvent the wheel. We, uh, went with what worked and, yeah. uh, and tried to do the best version of that. Yeah. We're, we're, we were trying to make like a, like basically like comfort food to beat them up fans, you know, like, uh. If you if you are familiar with the old arcade beat 'em ups, you know like like that, and you play our game, it's gonna you're gonna feel at home playing it. Like it's not gonna feel different to you. It's not gonna feel like really foreign and different to you. See, that's reassuring to me because I'm like I'm not. I mean, I, I love playing retro video games. I'm not into a lot of games, and I love those old beat 'em ups. I actually own um, Turtles in Time in my basement, but. Um, I really appreciate, and I hate to say this, like a low skill game. <laughs> yeah, we raw thrills. We we're always about making uh, like ex- very accessible games, like because the market for arcade has shifted. You know, a lot of the uh, like arcades are still around. You know, a lot of people like to say arcade is dead. It's not dead. It's just it evolved into something else, and it's like um, you know we have to make games that appeal to everybody. You know, not just like the hardcore gamers we have to make something that like you would like but we also have to make something that like a dad and his kid you know would like to play and be be able to play it and have fun with it um so that that's always on our mind when we're designing our games is like you know we want to put enough depth in there to you know for the people that are more sophisticated gamers but you have to make it so that it's a it's approachable and accessible for uh, the younger audience as well, and like maybe people who aren't, you know, gamers. Yeah, and I mean, like you think like the arcades. I mean, I, I know there's some, but like most of what you see now mainstream is like you know it's combined with a restaurant like Dave and Buster's or something. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of the arcades have turned into these big multiplexes. Uh, movie theaters. Yeah, movie theaters have arcades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, uh, there, the, the you know mini golf batting cage type places. The resorts, seasonal resorts, always have like a big arcade attached to them. Uh, we've seen a big boom in our industry recently of the Dave and Buster's type locations. Like Dave and Buster's themselves is very successful right now. They're expanding. Uh, there's a company called Main Event. There's a company called Round One, um, Lucky Strike. They're, like these places are having a lot of success because they found out people still like playing arcade games. You know, so they they sink a lot of money into these giant you know entertainment places. They have food. They have you know liquor. They have you know bowling, and they have hundreds of games. And fortunately for us, a lot of our games are out on their floor. Very yeah. cool. And uh, as an aside to what Matt was saying about uh, you know trying to appeal to a broad audience. Um, we did take the game very seriously, and it does it, it it can be brutal at times when you're playing it. So it's not we're not just totally like uh, the the skill involved in the in playing the game isn't isn't necessarily low skill. Like you can you can excel at it. Yeah, it should be it should be a good balance of both. And and we didn't just try to like take turtles in time and just do the exact same game. You know, we want we wanted to innovate and add things. So we have aspects of our game that are different. You know, like uh, you know we have a, a turtle power feature in the hmm. game where you you build up uh, as you're attacking enemies you build up your turtle power meter and each of the turtles um, have their own unique turtle power and I apologize if I'm bouncing to a different topic here but uh, <laughs> no not at all I'm curious in the course of your research into the especially into the two previous turtle games what aspects did you find that worked to carry over and which ones didn't so much um for the original games, I think it was just like the we we really like the pacing of those games. You know, like you're you never you're never waiting around for stuff to happen yeah. in that game. Like they're always throwing new enemies and new back new stages, new bosses and things like that. So I think the like that's one of the aspects we really kind of paid attention to was the pacing of that of those games because obviously it appealed to a lot of people back then and was very successful. So. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure our game, you know, had an, it had that exciting pace. Arcade games, you don't have time to like ease, you, like you, you don't have time to just like slowly build something and like show like a one minute movie <laughs> right. and like hey, here's a here's a one minute tutorial on how to play the game and it's like you don't have time for that. You gotta you gotta throw them right into the deep end and and try to ease them in as much as you can. But you want it to be exciting and hold their attention because there's a lot of competition on the game room floor. You know, for everybody's fighting for eyeballs. You know, and you want you want to get people engaged and get them continuing and having fun playing turtles. So what like didn't work? What what did you guys find like dated from the old games that it was like maybe we didn't think of? Uh, I don't know if there's anything we didn't like. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, obviously the visuals. Oh yeah. Like are needed to be updated for, you know, uh, 2018. Um, yeah, I mean, there isn't anything like horrendous that stands out there. I mean, you know, some of the bosses could be like a little brutally hard. You know. Oh yeah. Take you know quite a bit of money to beat. Um, <laughs> You know, the, one of the things we I, I feel that we improve upon from like a structure standpoint of the game is, uh, you know, back then most of the beat 'em ups were strictly linear based. Like you start at the beginning and then you work your way through like you know whatever ten stages until you're done. We set our game up a little more open ended so that um, there are three main levels to play. 
um, and then you can choose whichever one you want when you start the game. So like you don't have to like you don't necessarily have to start in New York City. You know you can you can go right to TCRI. You can go to the sewer uh, sewer surfing level if you want to start out. You still have to beat all three to unlock the last level though. Okay. Um, yeah. So and and the levels are pretty long. Like it, you know there's two bosses in each level and there there's there's pretty good amount of gameplay in each one. Um, so that was one thing we want we wanted to do a little different because like with with Turtles in Time in the original arcade game, you know, you always had to start from the same spot, and then if you, you know, if you died and you came back to the game later, you'd be starting from that same spot again unless someone else was playing. Now those stages, is it like how many are there? Like different chapters in each stage? I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, no, the um, we made the levels fairly long. Like, okay, probably ten minutes to get through each of the levels. Um, and there are three of them. Um, plus the uh, the shredder level, which is like the the big boss level. Um, yeah, the shredder. Uh, the each each level has two bosses. There's a one in the middle and one at the end. Mm. Um, familiar characters, you know, to anyone who's a fan of the, the show. Um, you know, New York City has Bebop and Rocksteady. Um, the TCRI has uh, Krang Subprime and the 1980s Retro Krang. Um, the uh, sewer level has Chrome Dome and Baxter Stockman, and then uh, we, as Mike mentioned, the uh, Shredder level, um, which is the final like unlock stage. Like that's going to be like Shredder's throne room, and uh, you'll have to run through like a gauntlet of a lot of enemies you've already beaten in the game. Hmm. And when once you beat those guys uh, again, then uh, Shredder will come down off his throne, and you'll fight him for the the final battle. You know, I should say this, that like, I haven't played the game personally, but I watched a good amount of it online. Um, it's based on the new, uh, well, the 2012 Nickelodeon cartoon, um, and it looks incredible. But the moment where I was, like, watching this stuff on, on YouTube, I saw the classic Krang is the moment when I completely geeked out, and I was so excited that classic Krang is in the game. Uh-huh. Yeah, we were we were excited to use them too. Like we wanted to have at least one nod to the, uh, you know, to the old arcade games. You know, and and what's cool about it is we also have his voice, um, you know, the same voice actor, Pat Fraley. Right. Yeah, we were we were very lucky that we were able to license the uh, voices from Nickelodeon. Um, and uh, we we have all we have everybody. We got Seth Green. You know, we have Sean Astin, Gilbert Gottfried. You know, all the all the all the voices from the show um, are in our game for the characters that are in our game. So, did those guys like Rob Paulson and Greg Sipes and all those guys? Did they did they record for your game? They recorded uh, for a different uh, Nickelodeon game, uh, and we were able to uh, relicense their uh, voice sessions. Oh. So a lot, a lot of the a lot of the stuff they had there was great quality and worked great with our game as well. So uh, there was there wasn't a, a specific uh, dedicated recording session for our game. Oh, okay, but it still all worked because it seemed like it was. It, it, it all, it's it's seamless. Like if I never told you, you probably wouldn't have even known. No, no, not at all. <laughs> now and and one more note about the classic Krang is I love the fact that you guys used him in the exact same context with the crazy laser eye thing. I love that. Um. So, what about your additional collaboration with the cartoon? I mean, 
So you got to use the original source material from the cartoon? Correct, yes. How, and how did that work? Like, did you did you have to, like, remap it? I mean, like, you know, in Lehman's oh, terms. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we had to, I mean, the, the characters in the show were, like, a million and a half polygons, for instance, and uh, you got to get them down to, like, 20 to 30,000 polygons. So you got to re- reduce the models and, uh, and repurpose all the textures. And the textures are set up for rendering on television uh, with all this crazy layering and stuff, so you got to, like figure out a way to, to recombine that so it's it's down to a set of uh, smaller size textures and um, yeah I don't know there's there's a lot of repurposing and uh, and, uh, and uh, reworking all the assets I'm curious something like oh sir something like oh, the no, New York City there's nothing there's nothing out of the box that, that we were able to just take and just shove it in the game I'm sure yeah like for like New York City, like the background looks incredible. So did did you have to like flatten it out basically? No, no, it's the buildings. I mean, uh, wow. The, uh, the yeah, I mean, it's they 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 have stuff in there. There's background buildings that were lower resolution that are meant to be put in the background. Um, I mean, the uh, the assets we got were pretty much like the entirety of New York City, and we just we picked the buildings out that we wanted to use. Oh wow. We thought were different stuff and uh, and. Uh, yeah, just kind of reset it back up in uh, in the engine uh, after we uh, downrest everything. But, uh, but yeah, no. If you look at it from from above, you'd see those like buildings. It looks like a city, essentially. Yeah, that's the cool thing about our game is that like you're it's not just recreated stuff from the show, but it's like actual stuff <laughs> from the show. That's very cool, and it looks like, like I said I saw it on YouTube. And it looks incredible. Um, I'm curious what um. For some of the uh, more classic characters that you also throw, well, throw in there. So I know you guys, I saw in the previews, I saw uh, Metalhead was in there, Ice Cream Kitty. How do those characters fit into the game? Um, well, we have, like like I said, it, it, we tried to add on to the gameplay from the classics. So uh, one of those areas was, like, item pickups and power-ups and things. So uh, we have the uh, a helper, we call them the helper uh, power-up. Uh, where you basically can call in a friend for help, um, and it, it's basically like a big, like, nuke the screen power-up, you know, uh-huh. so if you get it, and you pick up the Metalhead one, Metalhead will come out and, like, just lay waste to all the footbots that are on the screen. Um, we also have a Leatherhead one, too. You can call in Leatherhead, and yeah, he, death he, roll. he comes in and rolls through everybody, and, uh, like, a couple of times on the screen, uh-huh. and it's, a, it's like a... a, a a big cinematic like sequence that happens during when you when you get those things. So when you get it, it feels good. You know, it's like you uh-huh. got something great. Um, yeah, Ice Cream Kitty is uh, that was a fun a fun pickup that I wanted to get in there. Okay, um, I remember seeing there was the uh, episode where uh, Mikey brought Ice Cream Kitty into battle with him in the cooler, and he uh, unleashed it on the Rat King uh, at some point, and it was just I was watching with my daughters, and we were all cheering, and I was laughing. <laughs> It was pretty funny at the time, um, seeing that Mikey snuck the ice cream kitty in there, and uh, and I thought that was that was probably one of my favorite uh, uh, instances on the show. So I figured that would be a good a good candidate for a pickup. Um, that was Mike's nod to all the Nickelodeon show, the current Nickelodeon show fans out there. Like, yeah, get that in there. That may be the biggest cult character on the show. I think actually. Oh yeah. The ice cream kitty. So. 
Um, so yeah, the ice cream kitties in there. There's and he, he's just a like a, just a regular item pickup, like a, like a, like Mike said, a projectile weapon that you throw. Yeah. Like that one, that one isn't the big cinematic like uh, uh, metalhead and leatherhead are. Yeah, it just kind of bounces around off the guys. Yeah. Uh, a few other power-ups. So we have shurikens in the game that you can pick Thank up you. and throw, uh, like shinobi style. Uh, for a while, you can you can pick up smoke bombs. Uh, there's a turtle shell pickup that you know the, the turtles will spin around on their back, and you can like move them move them around the screen, sort of like the spin attack from Turtles in Time. Oh yeah. Um, but what else am I forgetting? There's a oh there's like you can double dragon style. We have like objects within the environment that you can pick up uh, yeah. i was going to mention that before you were asking what what uh what we took from the other games yeah or, oil or drums and like boxes and explosives and things like that you can toss at the enemies fire hydrants that was one of the things that i liked in the the older turtle games that there really wasn't i in my opinion enough of the interaction with environment items yeah uh so we tried to add we tried to add a good variety of those throughout the level um whether they're exploding items or, or just crates and barrels and garbage cans. Um, and the cool thing about those is you can accidentally hit your friends with those. <laughs> yep. And uh, you can also, there's like objects within the environment that'll break too. Like, you know, you can hit the fire hydrant, you can hit nice. the meter, you can hit the, uh, you know, uh, super pipe, you know, things like that. Um, that will, not everything is interactive, but a lot is. The fire hydrant is always the classic favorite one. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm curious, is Splinter in the game anywhere? He is not. Okay. No. We, are, we, we chose to focus on the four turtles for the for the game. In those old games, they, they could never figure out how to fit him in. So it was just like if you were sitting there waiting, he would cool. come on screen. and Yeah, like that's it. That's all you had for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... So, you know, talking about the the Nickelodeon 2012 series, uh, I'm sure you guys know that the show is since ended and the new cartoon is starting up soon. Correct. I was curious, was there any, like, did you guys know that when you were starting the game? Is there any sort of concern about that? I mean, I think it has staying power, but I'm just curious. Uh, no, we didn't, we didn't know anything about that. We didn't place. know about it, yeah, when we started. I don't think we're that concerned. I mean, the, 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 the 2012 show was well-liked. Uh, it was on for a lot of years. The merchandise is still out there. Um you know, and Turtles is an enduring brand, you know, like it's, um, I think like when people at the arcade come and approach our new game, there's going to be a, a certain segment of people that are fans of the current, the 2012 show, but then there's going to be a lot of people that maybe only remember the 80s show or they only remember the movies or something and uh, are still going to have a good time playing the game because of the the theme and the license is familiar enough to people of all ages. I think where I, I don't, I don't think that's going to be too big of a, an issue. I still think it's a very, very strong license. And with that classic gameplay, I feel like it's it's really universal for especially for those nostalgic fans. Right. Um. So I'm curious. Do the four turtles play differently from one another? Um. Yes. There, there are differences. Obviously, they each have their own weapons. Um. They're unique weapons, but they also have uh, unique turtle powers. Um, like each one will, like when you build up your turtle power meter, there's a tur- uh, you have your standard uh, jump and attack buttons, but there's also a large turtle power button uh, that will glow green when your uh, turtle power meter is full, and you press that, and it's basically like a, another nuke the screen like uh, power up uh, that each turtle does. They'll unleash like something huge, like Raphael will like 
pound the ground and make like an earthquake and you know leonardo will spin around with his swords and make like a big energy tornado and, and kill all the enemies and what's cool about those turtle power attacks is you can even use them on bosses you know they'll, oh, cool. they'll work on they work on anyone in the game they won't kill so, the boss will they they can oh wow i mean not instantly okay it'll only it can only damage the boss but like your your standard enemies like your footbots and mousers and things like that those will all die from the turtle power attack so I would say like the turtle power is probably the main difference. They they all share like mm-hmm. some of you know unique. Uh, they those as far as uh, the standard moves, you know everybody's got their jump kick and their running attack and things like that that they share. But the uh, the turtle powers are the big difference. I was a, I'm a, I'm a, I've always been a Donnie guy, but in the games I often enjoyed playing Michelangelo the most. Yeah, Mikey's a fun character. <laughs> And his turtle power is, is probably the silliest but most fun of the four. Like, he, he flips up a bunch of pizzas into the air and, like, chops them up with his nunchucks and, and uses the pizza slices as projectiles against the enemies. Oh, nice. That's his big turtle power move. What's Donnie's? Uh, Donnie lifts his staff up and uh, shoots a lightning out of it. Okay. Yeah. Like, shoots everybody. Yeah, it just fries everybody on the screen. Very cool. Um, so I, I think that mostly wraps things up. I'm curious, what are, from each of you guys, what's your favorite Turtles? Uh, for me, it's Leonardo. I've always been a big Leo fan. Like, the sword's always, like, interested me when I was a kid, and he was he was the one I gravitated to. Yeah, and, uh, myself, uh, I used to be more of a Donatello fan, but, uh, I guess I like, uh, Raphael the best these days. Okay, cool. Old and angry or something. <laughs> Um, and my, my last thing I wanted to know is, is there a way for fans, and I'm thinking really of myself here, that we can know where your game, specifically this one, is located? Um, well, the game is not out yet. We're oh, okay. Still actually, we're actually at the tail end of development on it. We're going to be wrapping it up pretty soon, and the game is supposed to start shipping in the spring uh, of, this, are, of this year. Yeah, there are some um, test sites, but... Yeah, it's testing, you know, a few locations, but uh, the... Um, the wide release will be like spring of, of this year and like you can play our games at um pretty much anywhere that has arcade games you'll find raw thrills games like i mentioned dave and buster's main event uh you know round one chuck e cheese uh they buy a lot of our games um there's a lot of great independent uh places out there lucky strike um i can, I can keep i can keep on naming uh but if you go if you go to any of your like local like entertainment centers that have lots of arcade games and stuff, it's probably a good bet that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will start showing up at a lot of these places. And if they don't have them, start asking them. All right, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Because <laughs> they do, they do respond to that sort of thing. If really? they get like a lot of their customers asking when are you guys get in, you know this game, then they they start looking into bringing it in quicker. Oh, that's good to know. All right, so I'll start pestering my local places come spring. Please do. <laughs> All right, guys, like that really uh, covers things. I just wanted to both thank you both um, for, for spending time with us here. Um, and thank you to uh, Turtle Flakes, who we're doing this con- uh, podcast in conjunction with. And um, all right, guys, thanks so much. All right, no problem. Take care. Take care.